Christ the King podcast. I am Pastor Michael McGinley of Christ the King Lutheran Church right here in Spencer, Iowa, and we are a congregation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod coming to you this chilly 23rd of January, at least if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, it's chilly 23rd of January, to celebrate the third Sunday after Epiphany, also known as the Sunday of the Roman Centurion. Now, at the beginning of these podcasts, we continue to go over our divine service catechesis in our congregation at prayer, and we're playing a bit of catch-up from the past month or so, and we should be almost caught up after today. Now, so far in the divine service catechesis, we've covered everything in the office of the word, that part of the divine service, that first half of the divine service, from the introit to the collect, the prayer of the day. Now, in the divine service after the collect is when we delve right into what is called either the lection or the readings or the lessons of the day. Now, in the collect, we we ask for something specific from God. We make a, a specific petition to God. And in these readings for the day, we find God answering that prayer. So it is these lessons, along with the sermon, that make up the chief part of the office of the word, because here we're given that specific part of God's grace, or God's specific grace for that day. Today, in our practice, the order of the readings go like this. There's an Old Testament lesson, an epistle lesson, then the gradual, the gospel verse, and then the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Old Testament lesson is actually a recent addition to the readings. It's been added in the last century or so. Some Old Testament lessons, through tradition, they've been associated with some Sundays, but for most Old Testament lessons, they weren't added until the 20th century, or even halfway through the 20th century. And that's when they became a standard part of the divine service and the readings. If you look back at the old Lutheran hymnal, you'll see that there is no Old Testament lesson listed. By the time we get to the Lutheran worship and the Lutheran service book, well, all of a sudden, there, there's Old Testament lessons. So it was added about halfway through the 20th century. What follows the Old Testament is the Epistle lesson, and these are the books of the New Testament, which are letters written by the apostles to either a church or an individual. All of Paul's letters, since he wrote so many, they're titled to whom he was sending the letters to. The other epistles are titled by who wrote them, so like First or Second Peter. The exceptions to this are the book of Hebrews, which may have actually been more of a sermon than a letter that was preached back then, and the book of Revelation, which is named after the revelation received by St. John the Apostle and which he wrote about. After the epistle comes the gradual and gospel verse. Now, initially, the gradual was sung by the choir as the pastor moved from reading the epistle on the epistle side of the altar to over to the gospel side of the altar where he read the gospel. But over time, the gradual and the gospel verse began to be sung or spoken to prepare the hearts of the congregation to receive the words of Christ and the gospel, which were, about, were, which were just about to come. And then you also have the triple alleluias, which are sung to celebrate the good news about to be read and received. Now, if you're in church, you'll notice that the congregation stands for the gospel reading. And then they sing, Thanks be to God when the gospel is announced, and glory be to thee, O Lord, after the gospel is read. 
And all of this is to thank and praise Christ and revere him for the good news, the gospel, which he is delivering to us that Sunday, because these are Christ's own words, which he spoke from the flesh and blood. And with the gospel, that's really the thing to understand about these readings. The gospel sits at the center of the readings, just as the gospel books sit in the center of the Bible. It is the gospel which sets the theme for the season and for the day. The epistle, well, that's chosen according to the gospel, as a divine commentary to the gospel that day. And the Old Testament lesson, likewise, was chosen to show how the gospel that day fulfills the Old Testament, how Christ in the gospel fulfills the Old Testament. Now, the antiphon, the introit, the collect, all of those also are based on the gospel theme. We know what to pray in the collect based off what's given to us in the gospel. So if you're confused by the gospel lesson that day, look at the antiphon to help shed light on what the gospel theme is. Look at the collect to see what is being asked for, because what's being asked for is what's being given in the gospel. When the epistles preached, it ought to be preached as shedding light and commentating on the gospel that day. When the Old Testament is preached, it ought to be preached on how the gospel that day is fulfilling the Old Testament that is read. So you see that in the one-year lectionary, it's all built to work together, to be meditated on together with the gospel leading the way. And that is our divine service catechesis on the readings for each divine service. Now we turn to our matin service with a hymn of invocation from God the Father, virgin born. <laughs>
O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. Christ hath appeared unto us. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. Christ hath appeared unto us. O come, let us worship him.
The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. For thou, Lord, art high above all the earth, thou art exalted far above all gods. The Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice, let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous, and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. For thou, Lord, art high above all the earth, thou art exalted far above all gods. The Old Testament lesson for this third Sunday after the Epiphany is written in the fifth chapter of the second book of the Kings, beginning at the first verse. Now, Naaman, captain of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, and honorable, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. The Syrians had gone out in bands, and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maiden, and she waited on Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, I wish that my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. Then he would heal him of his leprosy. Someone went in and told his lord, saying, The maiden who is from the land of Israel said this. The king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. He departed and took with him ten talents of silver, and six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of clothing. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter has come to you, behold, I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel had read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God, to kill and to make alive? But this man sends to me to heal a man of his leprosy? But please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel against me. It was so, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariots, and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall come again to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry, and he went away, and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me, and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and wave his hand over the place, and heal the leper." Aren't Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. His servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had asked you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? How much rather then, when he says to you, Wash and be clean? Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. 
and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. He returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him, and he said, See now, I know that there is no God in all the earth, but in Israel. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the twelfth chapter of Romans, beginning at the sixteenth verse. Brothers, be of the same mind toward one another. Don't set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Don't be wise in your own conceits. Repay no one evil for evil. Respect what is honorable in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it is up to you, be at peace with all men. Don't seek revenge yourselves, beloved, but give place to God's wrath. For it is written, Vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The heathen shall fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth thy glory. When the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. Alleluia, the Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Matthew, the 8th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. When Jesus came down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Behold, a leper came to him and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you want to, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I want to be made clean. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus said to him, See that you tell nobody, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. When he came into Capernaum, a centurion came to him, asking him for help, saying, Lord, my servant lies in the house paralyzed, grievously tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority, having under my roof soldiers. I tell this one, Go, and he goes, and tell another, Come, and he comes, and tell my servant, Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Amen, I tell you. I haven't found so great a faith, not even in Israel. I tell you that many will come from the east and the west and will sit down at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be thrown out into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way. Let it be done for you as you have believed. His servant was healed in that hour. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. 
and the Gentiles shall come to the light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Throughout the Epiphany season so far, we have seen how Christ has been revealed to us as the prophet who fulfills all prophecies, the high priest who intercedes for us always, the king of the Jews and the Gentiles, the savior of all men who has come showing us the same divine sympathy on the cross that he showed at the wedding at Cana. And today, our Lord reveals to us how he comes to his enemies in divine mercy. And as we have seen throughout Epiphany, what Christ reveals of himself in his ministry is what he reveals even greater of himself on the cross and what he continues to reveal from the cross through his church today. Which is why early on in chapter 12 of Romans, St. Paul tells us, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your, your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. See then how every aspect of our lives, even how we interact with our enemies, to bless them and not curse them, is not to be conformed with the world, but to be conformed with the image of Christ crucified in baptism, in which our minds are renewed. So Paul here tells us to imitate Christ, saying, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. See first and foremost how what St. Paul says describes and reveals Christ to us. And we see this in the gospel where we're told, when Jesus came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. As we saw on Christmas, so we see here Jesus coming down. On Christmas, we saw the Lord of all step down from his pure and kingly hall, coming down from heaven, surrounded by the great great crowds of earth. Here was the Son of God, fully God and fully man, being laid in the manger by the virgin, surrounded by the crowds here on earth. But to those, but to who was the Son of God coming down from heaven? Who was he coming down to? He was coming down as man to all of mankind. But keep this in mind, who was mankind to him? Remember, all of mankind since Adam had been conceived and born in sin, which means all of mankind was born not fearing or revering the Almighty, not loving his Creator, not trusting in God, not trusting in the source of his life above all things, and really at all. 
which means all of mankind is conceived and born being enemies of God. That is how every man and woman was conceived, how every one of us here was conceived, being enemies of God. And so as the leper in the gospel comes to Jesus praying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And as the centurion comes to Jesus praying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. Even as we come to our Lord in prayer, all of us come to him as those that were conceived being enemies of him, of God. Now imagine for a second if our Lord followed the example of the world that we live in, because it's the world who teaches us to curse those who curse you. And in a world in cancel culture that offers no forgiveness, it never teaches anyone, it never teaches you to bless anyone. Instead, the world teaches to have revenge on those who wrong you, even if you just perceive that they wronged you. That's all you need, just the perception. The world says to go after them, to go after their jobs, their reputation, their families, their friends. To conform to the world is not to find peace, but to look out constantly for those who slight you and to cut them down as harshly as possible. That's what the world teaches. It's vicious. Even a mere tweet or a Facebook message can bring out the cancel warriors against you. That's revenge. That's cursing those who curse you. That's conforming to the world. If our Lord followed the example of the world and came out for vengeance on his enemies, if that's why he came to earth, then the incarnation would not be something that we celebrate at Christmas. It would be something that we despair from what, from something that, it would be something that we'd want to run from. Yet as our Lord reveals to us today, that's not how he comes down from the mountain or down from heaven. It's not in revenge. He did not come to curse those who curse him, but to bless those who cursed and persecuted him. He came to love his enemies, to love us, to show us divine mercy even when we were his enemies. That is why on the cross, our Lord did not pronounce judgment on those who nailed him to the cross or pronounce judgment on any of us whose sin put him there. But instead he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He shed his blood on the cross, loving us as we hated him. He gave up his last breath to bless us who cursed him. While we were his enemies, he showed us divine mercy and was res resurrected three days later to give us his peace, so we may live in his peace. And going to die for the leper, that's why Jesus answered the leper by blessing him, saying, I will. In other words, I desire to cleanse you, so be clean. Likewise for the centurion, Jesus is going to go die for the paralyzed man and the centurion. So he tells the centurion, I will come and heal him. And then the centurion insists Christ's word is enough. He's, and after that, Christ tells him, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. Likewise for us, when we who were filthy with, lep with the leprosy of our sin, when we who were spiritually paralyzed so we could not do anything for ourselves, when we go to Christ and tell him that we desire to be baptized, he answered us in the same way at our baptism. When the pastor asked, do you desire to be baptized? And you answered, yes. Christ then said, I will. I desire you to be clean. Be clean in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
And just as the leper was instantly cleansed, so were you instantly forgiven. You who were enemies of God were blessed by the Son of God in baptism so that for the rest of your lives you're always forgiven by that water and word in the font. Where you who cursed God in your conception became a blessed child of God right there in the font. Bless those who curse you, bless and do not curse. This baptism is now your heavenly reality. It is the renewing of your mind to conform not to the world, but to the image of Christ crucified. And the faith which you have been given is the faith of the centurion. Think of this. The faith that you've been given says, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my servant shall be healed. Notice of this faith. Christ not only marvels at this faith, but he says, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. Now, it's not, it's important to know here, it's not that the centurion believed that Christ would give him everything that he ever wanted. But the centurion's faith clung to the word and believed that the word would do what it promised in divine mercy. The word promised divine mercy, that Christ from the cross would bless his enemies in mercy. And just as the word promised, so the centurion believed. That's how it was done for him. And in response to his prayer, it was as he believed. The servant was healed. There was, in other words, divine mercy. Not because of the centurion's faith, but because of the word to which his faith clung. That is our faith. Our faith is that the word will deliver what it promises from the cross. In baptism, the word promises that Christ desires to make us clean, and he does make us clean in the waters. From the pulpit, the word promises that as it is proclaimed and preached, so it is forgiven you. So as you hear the sermon every week, the word itself forgives you. The word promises and says that this bread is the body of Christ and this cup is his blood poured out for us for the forgiveness of our sins, for the strengthening of our faith, for the unity of us in the church. The word does as it says. So then what you will eat here in a bit is indeed his body and what you will drink is indeed his blood. By the way, as an aside, this is why for centuries, Christians, as they come to the altar, echo the faith of the centurion. It's common, very common, traditional for Christians before they partake of the supper to pray, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. Like the centurion, we are not worthy that the Lord should enter under the roof of our bodies. But he only says the word and this is his body. And partaking of his body and blood, he does enter under the roof of our bodies. And there he does heal our souls in his body and blood. Now baptized, receiving the word, receiving the body and blood, we are transformed in the renewing of our minds. We are conformed every day to the image of Christ crucified. Every aspect of our lives is conformed to his divine mercy. To the point where we now present our own bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That is God's will for us in our sanctification. 
to present our bodies as a living sacrifice in this way. Bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse. That is, conflict with this world is unavoidable for us Christians. Having enemies who hate us is unavoidable. As we come down from the rail, from the altar into the world, we will be surrounded by those who persecute and hate us, perhaps in our jobs or around town. Maybe it's our neighbors. Maybe we even have those who hate us in our own households and families because of our faith. It's unavoidable. There will be those who hate us. There will be conflict with the world. And if we were to listen to the world, we would then curse and seek revenge on those who hate us. But that would be conforming to the world and not to Christ. That would be to leave our baptism and despise the divine mercy given to us. By not showing divine mercy, we despise the divine mercy shown to us. So instead, St. Paul says to be renewed in your mind by this divine mercy, to conform to Christ crucified and bless those who curse you, to seek, to not seek revenge on those who do evil to you, which means instead we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. That is, we suffer for those who persecute us. As we enter conflicts with our enemies, all this means remaining humble. So if we're in a conflict with the world or our enemies, we remain in humility. If we are wrong in our conflict with the world, we ought to be quick to repent to those that we wronged. If we are right with the world, we shouldn't be haughty, or act like we're above everyone, but rather explain our position in love and humility in a way that is noble and right before all men. And our goal should always be not to beat down our enemies if we're right, but so much as is in our control to live peaceably among them while being faithful to the word. Now our flesh, it craves revenge. Yet Paul quotes the Lord saying, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And remember how our Lord showed us mercy when we were his enemies. Should we not also desire to show our Lord's mercy to our enemies, rather than crave revenge, which is, which is not ours to give anyways? For the Lord will have vengeance when the time of judgment is at hand, and his vengeance will be throwing those who cling to their sin into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. But in this time of the church, as we wait for Christ's return, we desire to show divine mercy instead, for Christ to work divine mercy through us. And that divine mercy, Paul says, is shown like this. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, initially, as we hear this, it sounds like showing divine mercy is done so that our enemies will suffer with heaped coals on their heads. It sounds like divine mercy has our enemies suffering as the goal. We feed them, but only so, they, so that they have burning coals heaped on their heads. But it really, it's not that simple. Again, consider how our Lord loved you when we were still his enemies. For the leper and the paralyzed man, he cleansed and healed them. For us, he cleansed us in the waters of baptism. And after he cleansed us, 
he turns to the altar and invites you up. When you were baptized, he saw you were hungry, and he gave you his flesh to eat. He saw you were thirsty and gave you his blood to drink. Did he do this to heap burning coals upon your head? In a way, yes, but not to your torment. Instead, he shows us our sin. The burning coals we feel in our heads is the guilt of our sin. So in the face of divine mercy, in the face of the divine mercy of the cross, every time before we come up to the rail, we humbly reflect on our sins and repent. He keeps us in repentance. And in repentance, we go to eat and drink so the coals may be removed and our souls may be healed. That's why we show Christ's divine mercy to our enemies, even to the point of sacrificing our bodies, so that in the face of divine mercy, they may see us rejoicing with them as they rejoice, weeping with them as they weep, feeding them when they're hungry, giving them drink when they're thirsty. They see us loving them as they hate us. And as they see us loving them as they hate us, that's when the fiery coals of guilt are heaped upon their heads. We do this so that in the face of divine mercy, in the face of Christ on the cross, they may become humble, repentant, cleansed, and join us as we eat and drink, where their hunger and thirst may finally be satisfied with us. When, when one sees Christ's divine mercy, when, we, when one is his enemy still and repents, that is to conquer evil with good. It is when we conquer not our enemy, but his enmity, as one theologian put it. Not when we conquer our enemy, our enemy, but his enmity towards us, so that he may end his enmity and hostility, hostility toward us and may finally join us at this altar. That is to conquer evil with good. And for those who never repent, even in the face of divine mercy, we leave that vengeance to the Lord. For the vengeance there are the fiery coals of the outer darkness. That's his judgment, not ours. For us who have been cleansed to eat and drink, may God forever conform us in the image of divine mercy of Christ crucified. For cleansed on that last day, we will reveal ourselves cleansed in body and soul to the high priest who raises us up as we offer to him our gifts of praise. But for now in this life, may we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, in divine mercy toward our neighbor. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
the glorious company of the apostles. mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, 
have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, mercifully look upon our infirmities, and in all our dangers and necessities, stretch forth the right hand of your majesty to help and defend us. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. 
cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds, we may serve and please Thee. Into Thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let Thy holy angel have charge concerning us that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto Thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.
that's all for this week. We're so glad you were able to join us for this Matins podcast to add to your devotions at home. And feel free to join us again next week. Please do as we look to celebrate the fourth Sunday after Epiphany, also known as the Sunday of the Calming of the Storm. We encourage all of our listeners to look us up on Facebook under Christ the King Lutheran Church or CTK Spencer. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, tell a friend, or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listened. If you would like to be on our mailing list for the podcast or want to leave feedback, you can contact us on Facebook or at the email addresses listed at the top of the bulletin. That's all for this week. Until next time, go forth and serve the Lord. I am Pastor Michael McGinley, signing off.